Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 35 of the podcast welcomes Colin Mills, who grew up in Citra, Florida, and he played on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive line for North Marion High School. In his junior year, he also earned the starting long snapping position. And by his senior season, Mills was a nationally ranked five-star long snapper. He would commit to UCF out of high school, but would eventually transfer to Southern Miss. Mills would earn the starting long snapping position for the Golden Eagles, playing in every game as the team snapper on punts, field goals, and extra points. More importantly, he did not have a block on any punts or field goals the entire season. Colin, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. How about you? Wonderful, man. I, I, you know, I, I always say this whenever I get a guy like you on the show, a guy I've trained um, since high school. It's just an honor to have you back on to see you essentially a grown man now. And part of what we're going to talk about today is that transition off the field, which, which probably I'm most excited about because it's something you want to talk about as well. I'm going to go right into it. Um, you played for two big time college football programs. Uh, reflecting on your time in high school, though, leading up to playing college football, what helped you in making the dream of playing college football a reality? I would say the the biggest thing was uh, the training and getting the fundamentals down, uh, especially in the long snapping. It's uh, I like to call it an art form. Uh, it's definitely something, you know, it takes reps and reps and reps. And I mean, I would snap probably five days a week had a pitch count for snaps, but uh, that was always the big thing with me was just getting down the fundamentals and just mastering the craft. Uh, Because once you master it, you kind of know, you know, if a snaps a hair to the right, a hair to the left, a hair high, a hair low, uh, before the ball even leaves my hand, I would know what was wrong with it by the time, you know, I got done out of high school just because of all those reps and just, just repping it over and over again. I love what you said about, a pitch count essentially or a snap count we talk about this a lot in the show that kicking punting and snapping is it's a separate entity entirely from any other thing any activity a sport and uh, a good analogy for the listeners is pitching we all know that pitchers have a pitch count even seventh eighth grade boys now you'll see a full thing on of ice wrapped around them as soon as they get off 
their fifth inning or whatever the regulation is in that particular state. But I love that you always had a plan in place. And I want to repeat that you were a junior in high school when you started to embrace the thought that there may in fact be a chance I could snap in college. So you only had two years in doing that. So although you worked your butt off because you were one of the hardest workers we had in Daytona beach in our year round program, I think that you work smart. I think that you were willing to do the mundane, uh, boring activities, even without the football, just the body's movements and timing of the hands, all these things that, that, that are, that, that they're boring. You have to be meticulous to, to see differences. And I think that you did those things. And that's what separates people like you from people that want to play college football. So on another note, we, we, we spoke last week uh, before we recorded today and you mentioned one of the first things you said about something you wanted to share with the audience was the realities, quote unquote, of college football. Um, a fan's perception is formed, in my opinion, from two sources. It's, you know, ESPN, television related shows like Fox Sports or on social media. But I'd like you to tell the audience, what are some things that they don't see day to day college football player must go through? Yeah, so uh, I think the biggest, uh, I don't want to say misconception, but uh, difference between reality is, you know, normally when a fan turns it on on a Saturday afternoon, they're just watching the product. They're not necessarily watching the months of work that came in there. And they also don't realize necessarily like a big thing that a lot of people don't realize is uh, you're being evaluated every day and you're, you're in a competition every day, um, every day they're trying to recruit someone better than you to bring in. And that's just the nature of the business. And, you know, it's, it's just a business. And I feel like that's, you know, sometimes people don't realize, Hey, these guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to coach a game every day. They're trying to bring someone in better than you. And that's just their job. Uh, I feel like sometimes that rubs people the wrong way, but uh, you just kind of got to embrace that, that, you know, every day you're competing against your backup, your third string guy, you know, knowing that if you're not going to produce that, it's just a business decision to switch you. It's not personal. It's not anything like that. Every year when they bring in a new long snapper, a new kicker, a new punter, it's with the thought of being better than you, that that's their job is to bring someone in better than you. And uh, I think that's something that kind of gets overlooked as well as, you know, just the, everyone sees the product at the end, but no one sees the, you know, the 6 a.m. team runs and the lifting and the being in fall camp for from six o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, you know, just being there all day. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, that's something that gets overlooked a lot. You know, they just see the final end product, not necessarily the work that gets you there. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it and people don't really think about it, but yes, there's 11 offensive starters and yes, there's 11 defensive and yeah, there's probably four or so specialists that, that are playing in games um, and then you have six specialist units, but most of those are comprised of starters or guys that are in the rotation on starting units. So roughly we're talking about 50 or 60 athletes per FBS team that are getting on the field and they're actively playing and have stats to show at the end of a season. So where is the other 70? Because uh, every team has. Yeah. Right. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, you got to you have your travel list just because you go and, you know, sign to play college football or take a preferred walk on. That doesn't mean you're dressing out on Saturdays. That doesn't mean, you know, when the 
when the bus rolls out on Friday afternoon to go to the airport, you might be in the dorm. You know, it's uh, it's not a given by any stretch of the mean for anything. I mean, I've had times where I was left uh, left at the at the bus, you know, not going to a, an away game for whatever reason or, you know, that's just a reality of it. Absolutely. I was there, too. I can I'll never forget the first time it happened when I walked up and I was expecting to grab my stuff and go about my business on a Friday. And I found out that hey, you're not going to Syracuse. And I was like, wow. So the kid on kickoff passed me up this week, you know, and, and there was a fight for that. And, it, and honestly, it could have gone one of two ways. And thankfully, I use it as a motivator. Um, but I wanted to touch on what you said, too. I think that what you just said, essentially, in your answer was that you must be resilient because in addition to the 70 people that don't get to play that are already on the roster, let's use uh, Southern Miss, for example. Every kid in Mississippi wants to play for only a few schools. Every single one wants to stay home. Everyone thinks it's great. And I, and I was. I was a Florida boy. I wanted to play in Florida. I get it. So now you have every senior in that state and the neighboring states that want your job and, and watch you every single Saturday and, and, and compare themselves to you. And then the coaches are saying, well, I can get cheap labor. I can get these free seniors as a walk-on and I'm paying this guy who's a junior. So there's pressure from so many places. Um, and I think that we have to, as specialists, be resilient. I think that we have to understand that um, we're no different than anyone else. Like we're playing at a high level and there's a lot of people that have the same dream and there's not enough spots to go around. Hence competition. Uh, I don't think a lot of kids mentally are prepared for what you went through. And it's unfortunate because it's almost like it, you can't really train for that. You almost have to be thrown in that fire. But I think if you have expectations that it's going to be very, very, very difficult and not just glitz and glamour, I think those are the ones that find a way to succeed. So another thing we talk about a lot on the show is specialization and Usually specialization, it's a positive, right? Oh, someone took the time to be great at one thing. And that, and that does work out often. But in terms of what this show is about, specialists, we have found as coaches, guys that I network with, collectively, we agree that people like you coming up benefited yourself having played multiple positions and not just specializing as a long snapper because a lot of the experiences you have as an athlete can translate into development in a specialist. So um, I want you to explain your experience maybe in the trenches uh, and how that helped you in being a better long snapper in the long term. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first big thing for just bringing that right into the trenches is on field goal. Uh, when you're in college, they can line up, you know, you'll have two guys in the A gap on each side of you to, you know, 300 pounders or someone who's a lot more athletic and a lot more quick than you. So you either have someone that's way more powerful than you or that's way more athletic than you. And that's just the fact of it as a long snapper. And you know that that's what it is. So, uh, you know, your job as a long snapper, obviously, first and foremost, is to deliver a, a, a great snap. But after that, you know, there's half of it is a getting big blocking on a on a field goal. Or on punt, I mean, being able to run downfield and and not not have it be because you know when you take the punter out of it, not have it nine on eleven. You know, you want it to you want to be uh, a factor in there. You know, you want to get down and try to cover and cause fair catches and you know cause misdirection with the guy and stay in your lane and all that. But I would even say uh, with specialization, not just football, but uh, 
I mean, growing up, I played baseball. I played some basketball, uh, did track and field, did weightlifting in high school. I'm a big golfer now. I mean, I feel like all of that different stuff, you can pick and choose different aspects of different sports to kind of help help you as a whole with football. Um, I definitely think specialization isn't necessarily a good thing, especially at a young age. Uh, I definitely think you need to experience some different stuff. But, uh, I mean, I fully believe, you know, being a, being an offensive lineman in high school and being a center and, you know, having that mental capacity to know what's going on and to know, to know, you know, who's blocking what or, you know, what's doing what. And, you know, like, like in a punt at Southern Miss, I would get up there and I would look over and see the lines and see the coverage lanes depending on what their, their look is. I would then tell the guards and the tackles, hey, I have the five to the right, I have the five to the left, you have the 10, you know, whatever to switch their lanes. So I would basically tell the whole front line, hey, this is your cover lane with this look. And that's something I got from, you know, same thing with being a center, you're calling out the mic, you're calling out the blocking scheme in high school, the whole same concept. See, it's just background knowledge. It's ex- you're exactly right. And thank you for giving concrete examples of, of how that did help you because all of that is true. If you have to learn those schemes for the first time and shades and numbering and tendencies with weight, weight displacement, he's heavy on his hands, he's got white knuckles, all those things that you guys as linemen, those subtleties, um, I don't think you learn them unless you're in that fire. You know, you, and you can't apply them unless you see it firsthand. Uh, but I think the most interesting thing you just said, though, was with the baseball. And I didn't know. I, I may or I probably should have remembered, but I didn't I didn't recall that you were a baseball player as well. But I spoke a few months ago at the AFCA clinic and I had a question about snapping in particular and, and identification of a snapper. It was a high school head coach who was in need. He had a good one. So, he, he you know, he now knows the importance of it and how good they were the previous year. And now he said, I've got no one. I've got no one that's ever done it before in a game. What do I do? And I said, people that I respect in the snapping field, because I do not claim that's my expertise, but it makes sense is identification initially is have a bunch of the bigger, bigger guys, at least mid-range guys that have some mass that can move, have them throw the football around. The natural throwers of a football are more than likely going to be the ones that can do it under their body, Right. And I, and I thought that was such a brilliant concept. And I shared that thought and I got feedback from that, from a couple of guys that listened in and said, we now have three or four that are, are battling for it. They're all pretty darn good. And none of them would have even come out and tried it had they not realized that, oh, so if I'm good at throwing, I'm good at snapping. I think it's important. Again, your background in baseball, uh, I wish you to golf sooner because right? I, I have my kickers golf now a lot because the precision in the game. And, and, and being repeatable in nature and identifying where we're loose, where, where, where's excessive movements, where are the outliers? These are all things that will either make you a decent golfer or you're going to be horrible at it, right? There's, there's no in between. Um, so thank you so much for that. I want to go to a little more of a negative subject, I guess, but for you, it's not. But football does end for all of us. And I'm, I'm sure it, it wasn't good uh, experience for you. It was not a good experience for me. Um, some sooner than late than, than others. You know, I, I definitely, my career ended two years before I wanted it to because of injuries, but thankfully you got to play a little bit longer than me. Um, I think it is important to stress. And I think it's important for our audience who are a lot of listeners are about to go into college and be you. Uh, you have to, have to, have to have a plan 
for life after football. Uh, you're currently in sales and you're doing very well for yourself. And nothing makes me happier than to see players like you that I've worked with that are transitioning off the field probably better, honestly. I mean, you're doing awesome. And I, I won't go into details, but I couldn't be prouder of you. Um, you're young and you're already getting a great start in a great field that I think you fit well in. But can you share what preparing for life after football really meant to you? And how did you apply this um, in getting the position you currently are in? Yeah, so uh, when I went to college, obviously, I, uh, I went, I was going to college regardless if I was playing football or not. So uh, I kind of took that same mindset when I got to college that, hey, I have my football time. I have to, whatever you got to do, you have to do. But at the same point, you are there for college. You are there to get an education and you are there to make connections um, outside of football. And I feel like that's something a lot of times people struggle with. They get in their little bubble, especially with athletes, uh, just because you're with the same, you know, especially specialists, you're with the same 12 guys every day, all day for 365 days a year. Uh, I mean, that's just part of it. And you're with them all the day, all the time. But uh, I feel like a big part of it is, hey, branching out into, you know, your major, into what you're interested in, making those connections with with those people that, hey, this might be uh, you know, a, a normal student marketing major from Pascagoula, Mississippi, but they might have something that, you know, that if you're friends with them, hey, that might help you in the long run, you know, with connections and all that and, and networking. Um, I feel like networking was a big thing for me when I got to college, especially at Southern Miss. Uh, I kind of narrowed down what I wanted to do. And from there, you know, in my classes, I was kind of starting to network with upperclassmen that, you know, were, were getting into jobs, had job offers. And from there, that's how I ended up getting a job was through uh, someone that did not play football at Southern Miss. But from that connection at Southern Miss, they helped refer me to my company. And from there. A quote I heard recently was eight of 10 times that someone talks about you or a decision is made about you, you will not be in that room. And that stuck with me pretty hard because uh, when I was your age, I was a little more abrasive. I was a little more draw a line of sand and you're going to work with me or you're not. Um, what I've learned is that people are going to find you, especially now. Uh, everyone's within reach. It's just who's going to get served first. And I think those that get served first or get the opportunity first are those that that branch out. And I like what you said about in addition to football, which is obviously a great networking tool. I'd be lying to the audience if I didn't say that I, yeah, that's kind of, that's how I grew in this industry was because of where I started and the friends I made and, and what they did moving forward. And I helped them, they helped me. That's what it's all about. But I like what you said about, I went to the upperclassmen in my, in my major and they were going into the workforce a few years prior to me. Uh, establishing a rapport with them before they left, because then get guess who's the 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 job seekers for those that this comp the company needs help with? They send out the young twenty four year olds to go identify the the next best crop out of college. So you were probably on the first tier of so many people's list. Oh, this guy Colin Mills was already talking to me as a sophomore. He also he's a student athlete. You're gonna like this guy. He's 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 funny. Um, he's He's able to, to, to deal with a lot of different personality types, which you did. You, you always had that skill. It's very important. You're a people person, and um, hence you're in sales. So I think you did the right thing. Um, 
I'm proud of you, but I do have one more question before I let you go. Cause you have to get back to work. Uh, I always ask guys like you who played, especially recently, if you could talk to maybe not one person, but maybe, and I think you had a couple special teams coordinators, but in talking to the special teams coordinators in the room, hypothetically, what would you tell them and why? I would definitely have your specialist on a pitch count. Uh, that is the biggest thing. You do not want to get overworked, especially, you know, you'll start snapping balls in camp. You know, you're in the mid sixes, high sixes, and they're just snapping you, snapping you, snapping you. And by the middle of camp, you're a 0.75. And that's over snapping, bad habits created when you're tired, all that good stuff. You need rest just as anything else. It's not just, hey, get down and snap a thousand footballs, get up there and kick a thousand footballs to get better. Um, I would also say, hey, uh, definitely uh, specialize your specialists. So know what they need. So we're different. I mean, and that's just, it is what it is. You know, we're not going to go in the weight room and lift, you know, 500 pound back squats every day and do this and do that. Know that your guys need to go. They need to do yoga and stretch and Pilates and core work and all the different stuff to help explosion lifts, all your Olympic lifts, everything that specializes to help them get better in their trade. Um, it's not a cookie cutter weight room program like everywhere else normally has. Uh, that's something like at Southern Miss, they were really great about with, hey, you know what you need. You know what you need to do. We're not going to bust your butt squatting and bust your butt doing this as much. You know, we're going to let you go over there and you're going to be on the turf doing some core and a lot more stretching and flexibility stuff. Um, as well as I guess the last thing I would say is uh, as a special teams coordinator, I mean, the biggest thing is my special teams coordinator at Southern Miss, Tim Billings, told us uh, – told us all this in the beginning. Uh, he said, I'm going to believe in you even when you don't believe in yourself. He said, I might think that, you know, in the back of my head, I might not be believing in you, but when I, when it comes out, I'm going to be believing in you. You're going to think that I think you're the guy for the job, even if I don't. And I think that's a big thing with just the confidence. Um, you know, how big of a, a mental game this is for us. Uh, it's just as much mental, if not more than it is physical. And, uh, Definitely the mental aspect is something that uh, gets overlooked sometimes. You know, they think, hey, just go out there and you'll kick kick longer or snap faster or do this better. But it's it really is more of a mental game for us than a lot of other positions. And that was insightful. Uh, I'll just, I guess, to, to sum that up, I don't think the audience knows, a lot of them for that matter, don't know that we're limited with assistance in college football, right? We have one head coach, everyone's aware. We usually have a couple coordinators, three, hopefully. Sometimes they divvy up special teams. And then followed by position-specific groups, like wide receivers, DBs. And it's very regulated. Now, there's analysts, and a lot of these analyst positions uh, are being filled by people like me, starting to. People who actually have a background in doing what you did and what I did. Because the importance is... It's of the utmost importance, like you said, the monitoring, the, the sustainability, making sure Colin Mills in November isn't a worse version of himself than he was in August. Uh, simply put, like the scheduling and the and, and what are you doing in the weight room that's conducive to the behaviors you need? We can't, like you said, we can't just lift you with D-line because, you know, you're not a kicker. Um, 
So I love, I like what you said. And I think in short, because uh, we do have a lot of special teams coordinators who listen and I want to thank them because everyone who is listening is someone who's a friend of mine that uh, seeks me out for some advice sometimes just to support their plan. Because all I want to do is I want to align with their scheme and make sure that you're working smart and, and it's going to be purposeful when you go out there, you're going to execute what they want. I mean, there's just got to be a bridge there. And I don't think there ever has been, I think we're doing a better job of it, but there's way too many coordinators in college football, especially major college football that really have no idea of what you go through or I went through on a daily basis. And the only way to be great at that is to familiarize yourself with things that you're not familiar with. So I want to thank you for joining this show. Um, I want, I always ask if you don't mind to share with the audience how they can follow you on Twitter is probably easiest. Yeah. So my Twitter handle is Colin C O L L I N underscore Mills M I L L S 72. That's pretty easy uh, and professional, right? You didn't get crazy with it. Uh, thanks again, man. It, it does. It means a lot to us that everyone in fourth down focus that you were able to share a little about your story. Please give us a five star a review, if you will, uh, subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. If you have any questions related to the podcast, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you simply just have some feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com, and it has endless resources for specialists and coaches of specialists. On social media, my Instagram and Twitter are at 4thdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me by simply searching Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bets Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. And I hope 21 is treating each of you well. Remember, in all things, give thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.